0: This is Laura Deardo with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Kat McDavid, founder and principal advisor of Vincenna, a go-to-market consultancy. Kat, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thanks, Laura. Thanks for having me. Now, I know we've got a lot to talk about in the health tech sphere, but before we dive into that discussion, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background?
1: Yeah, sure. So um, so I've been in health tech pretty much my entire career. Um, I mostly have worked in agencies or as a consultant Um, I've had one real job in this space, one real corporate job, and I was the chief uh, marketing officer and the chief of external affairs for Collective Medical, which was purchased by Point Click Care about a year ago. Um, And since then, I've gone back to my consultancy and work with a a big range of health tech companies. We have large and small. Um, I've worked with um, well over 70 different healthcare technology companies. So I've seen a lot of stuff. Uh, right now, I work uh, with companies kind of at the intersection of policy um, and growth. How do we work with uh, new policies coming down from the federal and state level uh, to optimize growth for those companies?
0: Fantastic. Well, that, that sounds like an amazing opportunity to just work with so many different companies in, in forward along the health tech space. What do you see as being some of the most interesting things happening right now?
1: Yeah, so I think that's an interesting question because there's a lot of drama going on right now, right, with um, the pandemic and how the industry has changed to adapt to that and now how it's kind of devolving in some ways. So telehealth, I think, is an example of that that I'm sure you hear a lot about. Um, how do we keep those benefits in place? How do we keep people utilizing them effectively? Um, but there's there's actually, I think, some really cool, again, this is my background, some cool policy-driven changes that that are impacting the industry in really unique ways. Or well, we're starting to see that. Um, And one is the information blocking or information sharing, depending on how you want to refer to it, those rules that came out of the 21st century cures rules um, just about a year ago. And what I think we see with that is there's a lot of companies that have made a lot of money off of holding data. And, you know, this isn't just the big HR companies, right? There's a lot of network companies um, that have done a lot of hard work to make those connections across the country, and data has been a product for them. And I think with information sharing or data blocking, what we're going to see is is the much more rapid commoditization of that data. Um, There's still going to be some value in it, but I think it's going to really drive down um, the the costs or the fees associated with that data. So I think we'll see some network companies change their approaches. It might go back more to your product has to be king as opposed to what your data assets are, which I think is a good thing. Um, but I'm interested in watching how that space evolves. There's, there's still some final bits of that rule, make, that rule that need to be finalized before I think we'll really see big action there. Um, but I, I have a few clients that are already seeing some change, and I think that's really cool. Um, the, you know, the other thing that I think is really interesting to watch is public health, right? I mean, we're, we're, in the, we're still in a pandemic, and um, we have acutely felt the absence of public health infrastructure all across the country. And there is still not any sort of federal level or even state level support to modernize that infrastructure in a real way. Uh, we've seen little, little bits and pieces of packages here and there that are going to help fund that, but we're still kind of where we were when this started from a public health technology perspective. So I think it's, it's interesting in some ways to see how that will change in the future, and it might not. And, and that's interesting too, right? What does that tell us about our industry and our market? So that's what I'm keeping an eye on. That's really interesting to hear. And for
0: those companies who are looking at maybe trying to figure out how to update that public health infrastructure or ways that, you know, trying to work on that big problem or that wicked problem, um, do you see that as being a a successful thing or something that could be um, beneficial from the company's perspective? Or would you say, hey, you know, I would kind of back off of that a little bit and, uh, you know, take a back seat for a minute and see what happens and then move forward?
1: I think that there is a place for companies that can do public health really, really well, whether that's reporting um, or getting information back out to providers from public health departments. I think, there, I think there's a, a good market there. But I think what, what we are, we've kind of seen is there's an expectation that funding will come. And so there's a lot of, you know, it's, it's a, uh, kind of what we saw during meaningful use, right? All of these EHRs popping up everywhere and nowhere at the same time that are rushing and, and taking up some of the oxygen for the companies that actually are really, really exceptional at that. Um, so I think there's a place for it. I think companies need to be mindful and not just chase the, the shiny object and say they do public health. They need to really understand what that means, um, how difficult it can be to work with a state or county government um, just from a procurement perspective um, and then making sure they're in it for the long haul because the last thing we need uh, are a bunch of companies jumping in and then deciding they don't wanna do it in two years because you know, it doesn't make the right margin.
0: Got it. That's really interesting and definitely an important aspect of any type of startup going into some of the public health infrastructure activities. Right. Now, yeah, yeah. As a citizen, you wouldn't want to see that either. Um, (laughs) That would be a bummer. Yeah, that would be a lot of wasted money and effort. Absolutely. Um, You know, I'm wondering, I know you've worked with a lot of different companies and what are some of the most common mistakes that those companies or investors could make, especially in the health tech space?
1: Oh, yeah. And this this might be, um, you know, my, my early background is, is more in marketing. So this is going to be a little biased. But I have I have two huge mistakes that I always see. If a you know, a startup is coming to talk to me or often it's kind of it's a company that may have just raised their A round. Right. And so they have a little bit of money. They're thinking about marketing. Um, and the, the biggest one, uh, and this is one of my favorite rants. So uh, you stop me if I get too if I get too hot here. But um, it's that the best product does not win. Uh, I, th- I see a lot of founders saying, this, my product is, is, a, is so amazing. It has all the best features. It does all the things. Um, and then they, they don't market it. They don't decide who they should sell to. They don't kind of hire the right sales force. They think the thing is just going to sell itself. They don't care about marketing all those things. And then what they see is they see uh, a new hot shit competitor startup. Um, That comes in and does spend money on marketing and what they always say. I've been in so many meetings where some founder is saying, but my product's better than theirs. My product's better. It doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter if yours has more features. It doesn't matter if it's shinier. What matters is if, if, if if you're getting to the users, your product serves their actual need, not some needs that you've made up in your mind. Um, but, and, and that you're marketing it effectively and marketing doesn't mean making it look pretty, right? Marketing means, are you talking to the right audience? Is your messaging on point? Have you, do you understand the incentive that that company has to buy? Is there a reason they should buy it, right? Other than they just think it's fun, um, which brings me to my second rant. Are you ready? <laughs> I stopped myself. Okay. I stopped myself. So that's good. My second rant is understanding if there is an incentive to buy your product. Right. Again, we see companies come in and say, I have an app and it helps make sure, um, you know, moms take their prenatals every morning. Awesome. That's great. Is there, and who is going to buy that and why would they buy it? Is there some sort of ROI? Is there some sort of reimbursement program that's going to, that's going to solve, that's going to encourage companies to to purchase that on behalf of members from a health plan or something like that? Um, I think a lot of companies just, just think a lot of startups think, I have this cool thing. I made it. It's awesome. It's helped a few people. Um, and therefore there's a market. And I think that's, that's a huge mistake because I think it's very easy to go out and recruit users and get them excited about something, but users are buyers and buyers need an incentive to buy. Those are my two, my two big common, uh, angry rants, uh, that, that technology companies typically, um, step in.
0: <laughs> yes. Absolutely. You know, I, I think both areas are so interesting. I want to go back to something you mentioned um, just in terms of the marketing aspect of it. When companies are at that point where it's time they need to start marketing their product, they need to get smarter about that. Perhaps they don't have that type of expertise on their core executive team yet. What does it really take to invest well in it? You know, what's kind of the minimum that they need to be thinking about in order to push their product into the space that it needs to be and really be successful, not only be the best product, but also be the best marketed product?
1: Yeah. So, And, and again, this, you don't have to spend a bajillion dollars on ads and things like that. There are, and, and, you know, startups don't have a lot of money, right? And there are other really important things they need to invest in in some cases, so I think that um, what, what I would encourage uh, leadership teams to do in the early days, as they're dipping into marketing, is um, again, you know, don't go out and invest in a blog because you need someone to write the blog, right? There's a lot of things that require maintenance, and if you're not willing to jump in, you should not make those initial investments. But what you should do is do, and, and this is hard to do, Laura, because so many people, um, when when they think of marketing, they want to hold a brochure or something like that in their hands, right? So what I'm about to say is not something you're going to hold in your hands and go show a prospect, right? But it's do your messaging and and you might have to hire some consultant, you know, shameless plug here. You might have to hire a consultant to do it because you can't afford to hire someone full-time because you typically are going to have to hire a very good experienced marketing person to do this uh, type of work for you and you might not be able to afford them full-time. So get yourself a good consultant who can help walk through who your user is, who are your buyers, and really, really, really understand that deeply talk to people in the market, a really good consultant can do that for you. Um, You're going to get probably um, a a really boring Word document or PowerPoint as a deliverable out of this exercise, but you're going to have all of those key messages, those value props matched to your audience. And listen, I've seen some really, really terribly branded companies do remarkably well because they understand their user and their market and they have good messaging. That's probably that's that's the biggest thing people can do. And it's the hardest thing to do, because, again, you're not going to you're not going to have a cool logo or something at the end of it. Right. You're going to have, um, you know, some brain smut <laughs> on pages,
0: <laughs> but it is important brain smut. So very important brain difference. smut. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Excellent. Well, before we wrap up our conversation, I understand that you have a passion for advocating for women and moms in, health, in the healthcare space and recently received an award for Mothers in Medicine. What are some of the most pressing issues in that area, and how are healthcare organizations and companies coming
1: together to solve them? Yeah, yeah. So um, so thank you for bringing that up. I'm very, very proud of the Mothers in Medicine Fund. And, um, and after Collective was acquired by Point Care, and I went back to my consultancy um, I was in a position that I could actually do something, right? And um, you know, you're seeing all these terrible news stories, Laura, about um, you know th- these healthcare workers who are leaving their children, um, you know, with another caregiver or, or or a partner, and they're and they're staying in an apartment for months, right? So they don't get their child sick because it's just early days and people didn't really know. Um, and when I started the fund, vaccines were just coming out, um, and so there's a lot of uncertainty, and these terrible stories were coming out every day about. Nurses not being able to find good childcare, um, you know, worker shortages, people, people risking their lives, honestly, to take care of the rest of us. And there were no childcare options, right? There were very few, um, programs available to support these moms. And so, um, I'm a big fan of action. Uh, my husband would say, I do not let the small things get in my way, which is sometimes a compliment, sometimes not. Um, and so I, I, I just kind of, um, you know, over the weekend really, uh, started this fund, which, um. I really wasn't sure anyone else would support, but what it does is um, it pays $1,000 grants, which is approximately a month, is, is what we try to average, a, a month of child care for a clinician mom, um, and it, you know it's a direct grant, it's direct action, and we, we just want to be able to make a very, very um, near-term and important impact in these mothers' lives. Um, and it's been awesome. We've gotten a ton of support. Like you mentioned, we uh, the fund did win an award, um, um, which was very, very cool. It was awesome to get that recognition. Um, but you know, to your question about what can organizations do, um, you know my, this is another rant. I apologize. Stop me if it gets too bad. Um, but again, I see all these stories, and I see all this negative stuff, and I, I see a lot of really important people, you know, retweeting articles about, Isn't it so sad that, um, you know, women can't enter the workforce here because we don't have access to childcare? And it's obviously more acute for clinicians, right, who really do have to go to work. No one cares if I don't go to work, right? Like, you know, what's going to happen? I don't send out a press release on time before market open, right? So there's a a big difference. And I think what, what we all need to get in our heads is that we each individually have an ability to make a difference here. And it might not be a big deal. Not everyone can go start a fund, right? Not everyone can even donate to a fund, but we all can, we can all advocate. We can write letters to our representatives, right? There's a lot of things that you can do that make a difference. And instead of just saying, Oh, wow, this is so bad. You know, if everyone just did one little thing, we could make such a huge difference for these moms in healthcare. And I do know there are a lot of um, a lot of hospital health systems that um, they are starting to or already do have programs to kind of support um, their, their, uh, their employees in, in accessing childcare and, and making sure that their children are, are safe and they're able to go work. But, you know, I think that just broadly in our industry, if we all did something, and this is a cause worth getting behind, um, we could all make a really big difference. That's
0: amazing, Kat. Thank you so much for your work there. I I truly feel like that's made a big difference for lots of different healthcare providers and physicians across the country. Um, This has been a really fascinating discussion, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Yeah, thanks, Laura. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me.